0: Hi guys, welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast. We are on episode number 37, guest interview number 20. And today we are joined by the magnificent Paddy Fowl. What's uh, up? From Ireland, freshly infected with coronavirus. <coughs> Quarantine. <laughs> yeah, but basically we're going to talk today about the, I'm going to try and say this word, the academization of the the fitness industry or the academia, like the prevalence of academia and, and how how people are going about coaching now in terms of, you know, there's a lot of people kind of getting stuck into learning about research and, you know, things in research and reading research and things and potentially forgetting about the actual art of coaching itself um, and kind of losing the forest for the trees there. So that's what we're going to get stuck into today. Some of the things we see, some of the main areas we think people should really be focusing their time on as coaches, as practitioners. Not trying to overcomplicate things, Um, but before we do, we're gonna let Paddy introduce himself. Obviously, I'm joined by Cal, who's right. Has he said anything? I don't know,
1: I don't breathe heavily in the background, (laughs) (laughs) but um, but yeah. And Paddy, tell us about yourself. What do you do? Um, well, this is basically what I'm selling. So, everything I say today, this you can have the background knowledge that I have a coaching business. With my business partner, uh, Skinny Gaz, I believe he was on your podcast before. Uh, with no, the- know Gaz. Know. Oh yeah, he's too skinny. Uh, he turns oh. sideways and he's gone. Um, but uh, yeah, I believe he was on your podcast with Ordeals, um, with James. Um, so same company, same guys. Um, yeah, our business, we do coaching. We have a free website where you can just go and get. Information articles, we have a podcast as well. You know, we just try to put out good information and coach individuals. I think you said the name of the business yet, mate. I was just about to, oh, right. yeah. I was gonna say the muscle manatees, yeah, <laughs> um, we're just 300 pounds, um, manatees, yeah, just muscled anyway. Yeah, no, it's tri- triage method. Um, like our website is triage triagemethod.com. All the socials are triage method. so yeah, you can look us up, whatever. If you like the stuff that we say today or that I say today, and you don't want to follow these muscle manatees, you can follow us. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, I personally have a background in biochemistry. Like, I'm studying biochemistry in college, and that obviously informs my perspective on all this whole like academization stuff. Because, like, I personally really like all the the science stuff. Like, I really like diving deep in all the like biochemical pathways and all that kind of stuff especially like around nutrition health physiology that kind of stuff and that's obviously going to inform my thought process on this whole discussion but uh yeah that's that's who i am again what i'm selling is online coaching that's all so again you can you can look at it from that perspective that everything i say that is my uh background motivation obviously we want to provide you know good information as well for the fitness industry for both coaches and, um, just individuals that are looking to, you know, better their health, body composition, performance, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm selling and that just keep that. I always like to have like the, my, my biases or whatever, my, my underhand motivations, you know, put out front. So people know, what they're actually listening to like who they're actually listening to like what are these potential conflicts of interest like obviously I'm going to be like oh yeah buy my service um when when we discuss stuff you know but uh once you know that and once you're aware of that you can obviously then have a better understanding of the the conversation as a whole like you guys are obviously going to have a perspective as well because like you put out uh, an information site you know you have a membership site that is we would probably say mainly aimed at you know practitioners and and obviously trying to distill information down for those practitioners so obviously that's going to be your bias as well coming into this whole discussion and once people are aware of all that then they can obviously take away from it what they will you know does that uh give you a good enough intro for me 100% the um we've only got three minutes left so we might as well wrap it up now unreal <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: um... no that's um yeah, that, I mean that. That's the thing. That's because we both share such a similar similar business model and kind of values on that front. Um, but I think one thing you mentioned. I don't know if you did mention, but you're actually doing a degree in
1: biochemistry as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm in final year, which colleges are all closed in Ireland now. So basically, I'm finished.
0: <laughs> and he's he's averaging a two two. So I would be careful taking advice from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no that's uh no but that's awesome and i think that's a quality kind of outlook to have when it comes to the fitness industry and the stuff you guys put out is awesome like the the actual triage site itself because i was a member when it was paid um and then you made it free and i was like what and there's some good stuff on there so people that want to get stuck into some Pretty awesome articles that are written by a special case like Paddy. <laughs> you,
1: should, you should read my articles. Gary's articles, they're just mediocre at best. Yeah, I mean, Gary's pushing like half an article out a week because he's doing a medicine degree. Nah, man, he literally, I'd say he puts out an article maybe once every two months. Man, I'm putting out like two or three articles per week. It's too yeah. easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. So, yeah, so where's, um, in terms of some of the biggest pitfalls you see people? you know, people making then in this this side of things? Because obviously there's, you know, learning about this stuff and actually being able to apply it. Um, where's the biggest areas you see people slipping up? Is it essentially just kind of going too deep on the learning and not being able to link it back to the practical side of things? Or is there are there other areas that you think, like do you think even people need, even need to go
1: very deep at all? Or what are your thoughts? Well, our whole kind of uh, outlook is that, you know, The only way that you can be as a coach or as an individual trying to, you know, help yourself is, you know, the only way you can be truly empowered is true education, right? Now, obviously there is this kind of narrative when you say education, that there is this flow of education where you do your primary education, you do your secondary education, and then you do your like third level education. You go to a college, university, whatever it is. And naturally enough, that's going to inform people's thought processes around, okay, if I want to get an education education on all this health and fitness stuff that's something that I should do I should follow this proven pathway for these other careers right but that's not necessarily how you should look at it uh, in terms of the, the the fitness industry as a whole uh, as a personal trainer or as a coach or whatever it is that you do spe- specifically working in the industry like it is a practitioner based industry right and what I mean by that is at the end of the day, you are a practitioner, you are going to be practicing your craft, right? So you should view it more of uh, like a trade, you know, it's like if you're an electrician or you're a carpenter, that's effectively what it is. Now, that's not to say that if you are an electrician or a carpenter or whatever, that you couldn't benefit from, you know, a a more scientific approach to your craft, right? You know, reading research and, you know, getting a a third level qualification or whatever, but at the end of the day, you have to realize that you are effectively a tradesman in, in the industry, tradesman or a woman, whatever. you know. Um, so you, you are, a, a, it, it is effectively a trade, right? And to become the best you can, if you are a practitioner yourself, you, you have to master that trade, right? And there's multiple avenues that you can go down to do that. And one of them is obviously getting education. The other one is getting experience, right? And I would always argue that the ideal is to get both of those like intertwined. You know, you get some education, you put that into practice, you get the experience of, okay, that worked for these clients that worked for these people. How do I then relate that back to the stuff that I'm learning now? Because obviously you want to continually educate yourself, you know, but the two of those should be intertwined. And effectively what I, what you see a lot of in the fitness industry is this kind of disconnect, this kind of not, I'm not a gap, effectively, between these two two things, where you're like, oh, it's all about experience, or it's all about education, and the two of them should be intermarried. You know, experience without education, like you might not have the the, the cognitive framework or the the scientific framework or whatever you want to think of it, conceptualize it. Like you might not have the framework to actually understand why things are happening the way they are with the clients that you have, and the same with the education. You might be like, oh yeah. I just got this study, read it, uh, went into all the detail of the study, and it said this. But then you've never actually applied that and seen how that plays out in the real world. You know, like So the two of them should be intermarried. And effectively, what you see a lot of in the fitness industry is and it is because it is uh, somewhat of a, an emotional field. Like people have to, you know, engage in exercise. They like exercise, especially if you're in the health and fitness field, like you probably like exercise. So you have some sort of emotional attachment to maybe certain exercises, certain training styles, certain whatever. So, and the same with like if you've spent fucking, I don't know, whatever, a hundred K getting an education, you're going to be like, wow, it's all about the education. And effectively people just shout at each other then. They just talk completely past each other. And it's like, my approach is best, or, you know, oh, I have X amount of experience in the trenches. And the other person's like, oh, well, you know, I've done a master's in this in kinesiology or whatever it is. And people just talk completely past each other. And don't realize that if you as an individual as a like a coach yourself, like you probably want a little bit of both, you want to be able to, you know, read and interpret a, a scientific study. You know, or if you're not willing to educate yourself on that, at least find individuals that you're like, I can trust the content that they put out and that they are they're willing to have their biases challenged. They're willing to to answer questions and, you know, try to actually put the information that they're putting out into practice. Like if you're not willing to read the research yourself, you have to find individuals that are willing to read the research themselves and that you can trust, you know, and like ideally you would follow a few of them. Like this is why, like, even though we have very similar to an extent business models, like I much prefer when people follow like five or six, 10, maybe different people that are all putting out, you know, a similar kind of business model, all about like educating people, because at the end of the day, then you can get a slightly different perspective. Maybe you word it differently. Maybe you put it in a different context. Maybe you explain things differently, more like uh, practitioner based, or maybe it's like, oh, this is more like academia based, you know, like one, once you have a broad, uh, like, viewpoint you can actually get a better education viewpoint but at the end of the day you still have to put all this stuff into practice yourself like if you're not willing to read the research find someone who is willing to read the research that's also putting it into practice you know so I think like to if you really are interested in moving the in- industry forward as a, a practitioner yourself like what you really want to do is marry those two approaches you know have experience and have uh, an understanding of you know the, the research the actual Uh, like studies, the the research papers, all that kind of stuff. Like you you should be able to do both. And again, if you, if you are lacking in one of those areas, what you should do, it's just going to make you more money. If you are a practitioner, you should, shore up the holes that you have you know if you are lacking in experience you have to go out and work with people so if you're just purely academic and you've never worked with people like you you probably should work with people and the same is true if you're just purely like working with people you're just in the trenches all the time you know you probably should spend some time you know either reading the research or reading uh, someone's you know, view of the research, like they, they've critically distilled it down, you know, condensed it for you. Like, that's what you guys do with your membership site, you know, when it's like, oh, like here, here's on whatever it is, you should understand muscle physiology or whatever. It's like, let's do a, a video series on that, you know? So if you are a practitioner or a coach or whatever, you're like, all right, I don't have 20 hours in a week to, you know, read research papers that maybe I don't really know how to interpret them. You know, mm-hmm. can I just go to someone that has already put, the, the hours in you know maybe reading the research or maybe just you know finding out the information distilling it down and can i then learn from those two things like learn from the individuals that are doing this and then learn from my experience in the trenches and i think that ultimately like moves the the industry forward as a whole and that's ultimately the goal of like personal training whatever like a, a rising tide raises all boats so if you move the industry forward first of all you can make more money Right, but also then you actually help more people, which are generally the two goals that people have when they're in the the health and fitness industry. Is like obviously they have to eat, so they want to make money, but they also generally want to help people. They want to get results with clients, with with people. So I think ultimately, if you can marry those two approaches, where you're like, I respect the uh, the experience, and I respect the, the the we'll call it the scientific studies or the academia side of things, you ultimately get the best of all worlds, and that like playing that middle card where you essentially learn from both sides, that is, is how we move the industry forward. That is how, you know, you get the best results with your clients. But what are your thoughts on that guys? you agree. Yeah. You,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm like, I think it's a good place. I mean, I share it. I mean, there's, I think you covered everything that needs to be covered there in terms of, it's, you know, it's, it basically never pays to just be you know, dogmatically like, stranded in one camp you know and you know, use the word stranded because that's essentially what you're doing to yourself you know if you if you just say i've oh, experienced all that matters then you're missing a lot and if likewise you just think you know it's all about high-end education and advanced you know learning really advanced information without the ability to apply it then you're going to be stranded on the other side so the uh, yeah having that that middle point middle ground is going to be very helpful and that would be a thing you know a good place to go now would be kind of thinking what are some key areas that, you know, this kind of arises in? And I think one of them, which we could go into, would be like things like exercise mechanics. You see a lot of people um, kind of going into the science of, you know, exercise mechanics and essentially you know, where's an exercise hardest, where's it's easiest, how does that match up with an individual based on their mechanics, based on their force production capabilities. And then you get the camp that say, oh, it's bullshit. You just need to lift heavy weight. And here's the experience, you know, Doreen did this, Dorian did that, whatever. And then you, but then, you know, I shared a thing on my story this morning about fructose, you know, someone had said, um, you know, you shouldn't have fruit post-workout. Um, and, and I, you know, I just replied and I said, no, it's was probably likely, you know, one of three arguments. Um, and here are the three arguments and all of these, are, you know, arisen from people looking at research without the context of how it applies to a human who's actually in the, in the, in the trenches, you know, doing that, you know, whether it's like, the antioxidant argument that fruit has a lot of antioxidants yes that's been shown in research but the you know you need to consume i think it was like shown like in fact one of my clients actually mentioned the study was like 20 20 bananas or something in one sitting to actually get that level you know no one's going to eat that so we know that practically you know the practical applicability of that information is limited the biochemistry angle of fructose accelerating fat gain yes it can happen but again you're not going to really get access to that amount of fructose and in food, and and then there was you know fructose only being you know efficient for replenishing liver glycogen again, yeah, but you know you're never really going to get a sole source of fructose unless you're buying fructose powder, and there's still merit for that in certain certain demographics. So, but you know people look at those arguments face value, and they just go, oh, you know, that's you know that's what the literature says. Sweet, I need to put that out there and tell everyone this is how it should be but the people that have kind of looked into it in more depth actually learn to read it, interpret the information, but also realize how that applies are going to, which would kind of be in that middle ground because they're, they're the guys that are willing to read the research and apply it. You know, they're in a much better position. Um, but what are some, uh, well, firstly, would you agree with that? But also what are the other, are there any other areas you would kind of flag up and think, okay, these are kind of areas we can focus in on to kind of get people to think,
1: you know, so yeah, i 100 mean, yeah, well, right. agree with what you're saying but effectively <clears throat> thinking about this right rather than going just into specifics first of all what we should think about it is like have a uh, a conceptualized like framework for this effectively you've got two camps we've got phenomenology so it's just like studying phenomena right so that would be like oh uh i don't know a population study you know it's just like oh well we have saturated fat and heart disease we just looked at their saturated fat intake or we measured that and then we measured their heart disease you know it's just purely like the phenomena that's occurring we're like we don't there's no mechanism here now we don't know what's going on we just we've, we've measured this you know and that's very applicable to you know the, the training side of things where you're like like we didn't have all of this research back in the day when we were like you know people were starting to lift weights or whatever but they've noticed like oh you do squats uh, your legs get bigger right so it's like oh squats equal bigger legs you know very simplistic we're just looking at like the phenomena that is occurring right and that's obviously that's very important and like you could say that's the experiential stuff the experience stuff but we'll call it phenomena or phenomenology right and then you have also like mechanistic stuff so like realistically we've only been able to look at mechanistic stuff since the 1880s maybe more so towards the, the start of the 1900s onwards and that kind of stuff um so like that's a relatively new field so most of human experience in in terms of stuff that's going to be related to like the the health and fitness experience has been phenomenology you know it's like curing i don't know whatever uh scurvy or something you know we didn't know it was vitamin c back in the day but you notice okay oh these eat these citrus fruits they don't get scurvy or scurvy is cured cool we now have a phenomena that is measurable and we can see What happens, you know, if we implement that into like the the population, you know, and we didn't have mechanistic stuff, but now you've got this thing where even in academia, you have phenomenology and we'll call it mechanistic hypothesizing and people don't have even like top of the line academics. They don't have the, we'll call it the, the cognitive framework to actually apply that into a real world setting. And what I mean by this is like, scientists are humans too, right? Like you can, you can look at it like Linus Pauling, right? He probably came up with fucking biochemistry. Like if you were to say like, who came up with biochemistry, it would be like Linus Pauling, right? Um, and he, I think he got two Nobel prizes for his work, right? And um, so pretty, pretty fucking smart guy, you know? Might've been one, but I think it was two. Um, so pretty smart guy, you're like, okay, Nobel prize, like that's top the top thing you can get as a scientist right if one then i'm not yeah it's not very impressive yeah you're actually dead right uh, i should never have mentioned them uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, I mean, finally, like he, he fully as he got like older fully bought into like mechanistic hypothesizing uh in terms of like he believed like taking grams of vitamin c would cure like pretty much all diseases you know like he was the guy that came up with all that you know and effectively, they, they always call it like Nobel laureate disease where, you know, basically a scientist gets such a, an inflated ego or an inflated uh, thought process where they're like, oh, well, basically I know the information. I'm the, the key holder for all this information and whatever that comes out of their mouth, whatever they think is like, I don't have the, the research to back this up. But, you know, it's coming out. I'm hypothesizing it. So it has to be through, has to be true right I and, know, people like that in the fitness industry yeah, this is what i'm saying right <laughs> it's like if if a nobel laure- like if a nobel uh prize winner can think like this right yeah. where they're like vitamin c cures everything and basically he was laughed out of the place you know like after that he basically you know got lo- nobel laureate's disease where they literally everyone's like what the fuck are you going on about mate you know this is not like this is not supported by the research but he was like yeah no this is this is the key you know like whatever you know so if like scientists are humans too so they can make mistakes they can let their ego get inflated they can do all that stuff so you shouldn't take like research as the, the the panacea especially if it is not supported by a broad body of research you know like one study that's it's just one study it's it's somewhat irrelevant like you shouldn't use that to inform your your practices until it has been first of all replicated like if a study has never been replicated like i basically don't even fucking look at it you know and
0: what if what if it was a randomized controlled trial that was shared on social media
1: irrelevant that's what i was going to say right so you see all this stuff <laughs> that people are like it's just so, some random thing that came out where it's like i don't know fucking this exercise versus this exercise resulted in better hamstring growth i'm like like it's that's it's irrelevant you know we want to look at the broader body of research and we want to actually understand the principles that underline all that research so that you can go okay well like first of all you can actually interpret the research correctly you can go okay yeah i can read this and then i understand the principles that would you know govern like say muscle hypertrophy and it's like, okay yeah i understand why they saw this in this research in this population you know and then you can go like okay well it hasn't been replicated so how how applicable is that to our actual practices you know um, or if it especially if it disagrees with the, the the broader body of research you know then you should be like okay well like are like is there any underlying biases to this that 's why I was saying my biases at the start you know where i'm like this I sell coaching right so uh, like obviously i 'm going to you know always big up getting a coach you know i'm like get get a coach because like i I sell coaching <laughs> you know, and so that 's my bias coming into all of these. Coaches is a shit. Like, no one needs to buy coaches. <laughs> um, you know, so like everyone has biases and like researchers have biases too, you know, but the good thing about science is that it's self-correcting in that, you know, someone will repeat the research and if they find something different, you know, that will then go into the overall body of research and it self-corrects over time where, you know, if you just have one research facility putting out content or one researcher always putting out this kind of content and then it's like everyone else says something different you have to question that then you know so science self corrects itself right however the fitness industry doesn't necessarily self correct itself and that's actually a, an issue because you know you're actually basically frontline healthcare workers and i always say that uh, a little bit tongue in cheek but also i'm like you know we probably should think of ourselves as frontline healthcare workers because you are actually influencing people's health right like you're you're telling them how to eat, how to train, you know, those two things are like basically the only two things that an individual can do to influence their health. You know, like they can't prescribe, you know, any kind of uh, drugs or anything they can't, well, they probably can get some illicit drugs and give it to themselves, but you know, they, they, they can't prescribe that stuff to themselves. The only thing they can do to potentially influence their health is exercise and, you know, control what they eat, you know? And if you are telling people what to do with those two things, you know, you are effectively a frontline healthcare worker. Now that's not to say, like, not to say that you're on the same level as a nurse or a doctor or anything like that, but it's like, you should, you should kind of treat yourself or at least conceptualize yourself as I'm interacting with people's health. I should respect that. I should educate myself to a level where I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then also that I'm at least doing no harm, you know? So that, like that, that whole side of the like academia stuff, as I was saying, like if a if a Nobel laureate can, you know, basically be crazy, you know, you, you have to be able to critically analyze research. But the same is true on the like phenomenology side of things, where you know people get so carried away with, say, an exercise. Like this is always the case. I, Dorian is actually the perfect example, right? Because like Dorian Yates had a a very scientific approach to training right? And that was without actually reading the research. Like I'm sure he did read research, read fucking content, you know, talk to other individuals in the fitness industry or whatever else. But he had a very scientific approach and the scientific approach was what worked, you know? Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, I do this exercise, say squats. This is the perfect example squats. He injured his lower back, I believe, squatting. And he was like, it's not really for me. He was like, I got some good leg growth with that, but, uh, I always hurt my lower back doing it and, you know, it wasn't, wasn't perfect for his biomechanics, right? So he was like, let me try these other exercises. You know, let me try some leg presses, you know, let me try some hack squats. And he was like, all right, cool. I don't injure my lower back and I get better in his mind anyway, better results with my leg growth, you know? that's a very scientific approach. You know, that's a very like, okay, what's working for me? Phenomenologically, like he's not going in like, okay, well, let me just see this EMG data on my fucking vastus medialis for this one. Is this is this going to be the best exercise? Let me just have a fucking wank over this little bit of research that I saw here. No, he's not doing that. He's going, okay, this exercise, you know, has res- resulted in my legs growing, you know, and my back being like quote unquote safe, you know, uh, not getting injured. You know, so it's like, that's, that's a that's a scientific approach right however people then look at that and rather than uh you know looking at the approach that he took to exercise selection his thoughts around training they just go oh dorian did that exercise so i'm going to do that exercise and that's Mm -hmm. that's that you've you've just taken the actual like the 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 key thing out of that you know which the key thing was like i'm going to find exercises that fit my body that result in the goal that i want actually coming true right where people just go like oh well dorian did these exercises and i want to be big like dorian so i'm going to do the exact same exercises that he did
0: Hmm.
1: and hope that growth occurs and like realistically like most people like exercise isn't that complicated like you put a little bit of tension on the muscle you do enough (laughs) volume and intensity with that like you you will grow over time right you know obviously there are Faster, quicker, better, safer uh, ways to go about that, but you know it's very, very simplistic when you think about it. it's like put a bit of tension on the muscle, slowly get stronger over time in a safe, effective manner, and wow, the muscles grow you know um so, with people <laughs> that's it <laughs> no, I'm trying to sell coaching here um, <laughs> um you know it's very simplistic when you think about it now, obviously there's a lot of intricacies and you know different things and whatever, to that, but it's very simplistic when you think about it, right? So even if people just, you know, follow this protocol, this template that, you know, during these exercises, this is how he trained. I'm just going to follow that to a T. That can produce results. However, that it's very haphazard because what he did was he refined his approach to him using like phenomenology he was like yeah my legs grow better with this my fucking i don't know my back grows better with this you know he's like okay i can feel this more you know it's a very intuitive approach to it and he was using what fit his body what he had available to him and he designed his workout program as a result of that so if you just follow what he did like yes you may get results but you've actually taken out the key defining thing which which is what we're effectively arguing for here which is you know, coming up with an approach, the using the best research available to you, using the best like experience available to you, you know, using all the mechanistic hypothesizing, all the phenomenology and coming up with an approach that you go, okay, this is working for me. I might not know why it's working for me right now. You know, I don't have the, the knowledge, you know, maybe the research isn't there or whatever, but I know it's working, right? I can see the results, you know, my, my traps are growing or my, I don't know, my back is growing, whatever it is, you know, you can see the results. You're like, okay, I really feel that it works for me. I'm getting stronger, whatever, right? And you use that and you go okay that's i'm going to keep that in my exercise selection and i'm going to milk that for all it's worth and then i'm going to try to assess why that was working so well for me and then you know maybe i do need to talk to other individuals ask them you know why would this be the case you can get start diving in deep to all this like moment arm st- stuff you know like uh, muscle length tension relationships you can do all of that stuff but you know ultimately it comes down to yes you have to educate yourself but you know you have to marry that with experience you know the the two the two things are Inherently intertwined and like learning for the sake of learning. While a lot of people do enjoy that, like I, I enjoyed it, as I said, like that's my bias. Like I like all the you know mechanistic stuff, but if you just do one or the other, like you just say you just lift weights or you just look at like the, the mechanistic stuff, is like you're probably missing out on some things, you know. Like you might say lift weights and never read any of the mechanistic research, and as a result, you never really understand why what you are doing in the gym results in the results that you're getting, you know, which is fine. But if you start coaching people then, and you start running into different, you know, individual body types, you know, different, you know, issues that these people might have, then you start going I don't have the experience to help these individuals. And the only way you can gain experience or accelerate that experience is to get you know, someone else's opinion, and that could be a scientist, that could also be a a coach or individuals like on your your education hub, where it's like, okay, well, we've worked with all these different people. These are the results, you can see the results that we get, you know, so this is the, the, the experience borrow from our experience. This is what we're distilling down into this, you know, Um, so like having, having that kind of framework where you're like, okay, I, I, you have, as a coach, you have multiple tools available to you, you know, and that includes like your experience, the experience of others, and then the, the scientific research, you know, and if you are just, you know, gen pop. Listening to this, like you were just like, I just want to get fitter, bigger, stronger, whatever it is. Like, you also have those things available to you. You can go to a coach and be like, Look, I just want you to accelerate my results. You know, there, boom, you're going to use their experience. You can also read research yourself if you're like really interested. Again, boom, that accelerates your experience. You know, and you can go to like your education hub or whatever. um, And like, again, you can get an acceleration of that experience. But at the end of the day, you always end up having to put the work in. You know, like, you still have to. Actually, implement what you've learned, you know, and that that should be a, a key kind of take home from this. Like, yeah, you can look at all the research you want, you can look at all the whatever you want, you can talk to all the individuals, you can learn everything. But at the end of the day, if you don't actually put it into practice, you don't put that, you know, uh, education. You know, if you don't convert that into experience, then ultimately, like, what have you actually learned? You know,
0: I agree. And uh, yeah, I think the exercise mechanics one is an interesting topic. Because I think that's the thing of like people can figure it out themselves, but it's being like what fits them as an individual, you know, on that phenomenological side of things. And but then it's then learning that what that no, that data doesn't then apply to the masses, doesn't apply to your clients, whatever it is. And like, I think the quote I actually put it on our site, I've just pulled it up because Michael Goulden had that, had this quote on his site. You know whether we identify ourselves as strength coaches, physique coaches, or personal trainers, we're applying forces to anatomy with the goal of creating a positive outcome for the client. And that's, you know, that's the case of I think if you're working with clients, whatever it is, you know, your people are trusting you with their bodies, and you're putting forces through them potentially on a daily basis, whatever it is, you know, multiple times a week. You have a moral, ethical obligation to understand as much as possible about what you're doing to them, and I think, and about how. That changes with the individual in front of you. You know, how a squat doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't cause the same result in everyone. It might do something for you, it doesn't necessarily do something for someone else, whatever it is. Um, and I think people bearing that in mind, which is where they get too locked into the camp of, you know, this worked for so and so, or this works for me, therefore it's going to work for my entire client base. Um, and they, you know they do the same thing with nutritional approaches, things like that. You get to see a lot of coaches out there figuring, you know, maybe so and so used to run a high protein, you know, content. You know, he used to give all his clients really high protein content, um, like excessively high protein content. And you know, research suggests that a higher protein content can do X, Y, Z. This guy did it, so yeah, I'm going to do it. And then they, but they haven't read the research. They haven't understood that that doesn't apply to everyone, and that doesn't work, and it causes issues with a lot of people and you know when you look at what the research said it wasn't even with that amount of protein so again you've got to go into the education side of things there um and it's um and then you even get into the cases of where you know the research says such and such you know the research may may say x and you know all the experience that you've had with clients may say y but your client that's come in front of you needs an approach that looks like z that's completely different you know you have somewhere it says okay you know the research says I shouldn't be feeding these people, you know, giving them a lot of food late into the night because it's going to impact sleep, whatever it is. And all my other clients actually seem to respond well with not having that approach. But this guy in front of me, you know, he's got a day that's structured where he can't be training until later in the day, super busy during the morning. Actually, I'm going to have to put most of his calories at that time of day and we're going to see how that works. And, you know, that's where you, again, it comes back to the coaching of, you know, the research. You don't even have to always go against the research. It's important to understand it and to be able to apply it. And but again, it just comes back to you know what who's the individual in front of you, and what do they you know what do they have available to them what's their goal, whatever it is um, and how can you then apply that information in the most effective way to create that positive outcome for them um, which I think is yeah I mean and that's the art of coaching that's what people are kind of getting led astray, and you know they're getting too locked into when that client comes to them in need of that approach where you know, they need that specialized, individualized approach that might go against what research says and what other clients do, but you're too locked into what the research says, or too locked into your approach of this is how I do it with everyone, so that or this is how I do it with me, so whatever, to actually give them what they need. Um, which is which is interesting. So I mean, would you agree?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's, it's basically the entire process is is hard, right? And as a coach or as someone training yourself, like it it can, like I really empathize with people feeling a little bit lost, you know, because like, first of all, doing research itself is hard. Like you have to design a study that, you know, actually, you know, does what you're trying to do. And then you, not only have to design the study to do that, but you have to design like assessment methods to actually assess that accurately, you know? So the research itself is hard, but then trying to translate that research into, actual living populations is even harder because like the the research just tells you the average response it's not like individuals like you look at any of these research studies that says like oh 10 sets is optimal 20 sets is optimal 40 sets is optimal whatever it is you know you you look at that and you look at if you had individuals within that you'd see like okay so yeah the average response they seem to all do well like on average to 20 sets per week we'll say Right for a body part, one the one, right? one guys. And then you look at all these, yeah, you look at all these individual ones where it's like, oh well, this individual actually did fucking worse. They lost muscle on yep. this twenty set approach, you know. Whereas, oh look, look at these three individuals over here. They literally fucking gained like boatloads of muscle on this twenty set approach, you know. So like these outliers, like generally scientific studies get rid of the outliers, you know. Yep. And like I always say, it, I'm like, I'm a resistance training non-responder, you know, like. I do resistance training. I just don't grow. No, but uh, seriously, like you, you could be, that could be the case for you where like the approaches that are just generalized, you could be a non-responder to them. You know, you need a specific approach that's refined over time to you as an individual, you know, and this is what you see, like, like the, the actual stupidity of a lot of the arguments that you see in the, the health and fitness world. It just, it shows a fundamental lack of understanding of the, the underlying principles of you know resistance training, all this health and fitness stuff. You know, like you could argue like, oh, is a a higher intensity approach where you do like one all out set to failure and then like a back off set. Is that better than doing like three to five sets with a few like reps in reserve? It's like like you can argue all day between those two things, but ultimately it doesn't fucking matter because what you need to do is like which of those two tools that if you, they're the only two tools you have, or if you only have one of those tools, like if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know? So like you have to have the right tools in your toolbox to help the client, help the individual in front of you. And that's the same if you're coaching yourself. Like if you are looking at this and you're like, oh, well, this guy, I, lo- I like his physique. I'm just going to copy what he does. Like that could be completely opposite to what you need to do given your circumstances. And this is especially true when you try to like copy people who are effectively just uh like we'll call them whatever you want to call it, physique individuals like they, they're either bodybuilders they're like men's physique whatever it is you know you're just trying to copy what they do like a lot of them literally that's their livelihood they're making money out of doing that like they don't have the the 40 hours 60 hours per week you're doing in your job they're not training at 5 a.m because you're trying to get your training, uh, uh, your gym in before work you know like they don't have all these extra stressors that you do you know so They're not taking that into account and you have to take that into account when you're designing your training programs, when you are, you know, designing your uh, nutrition, lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. And again, that comes down to the art of coaching because you're not going to have a study that says, oh, well, if you have clients that train at 5am and they have 40 hours of uh, work, you know, this is the training protocol that's going to work for them. We we don't have those studies, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, 20 sets is optimal. I'm like, that's, it's irrelevant because the client in front of me, it's like, he has 40 minutes to get his training session done. Like, what can we do with that? You know, mm-hmm. so like you have to, you have to look at the, the whole, the whole like uh, line from like research to mm-hmm. individual, you know, along the way, it's extremely hard. And there's a, so many pitfalls that you can fall into that if you only rely on one thing, like your experience, the scientific research, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the experience of others, you know, you're just copying others, what they do. It's like you're missing the, the whole forest for the trees, because you know ultimately what you 're trying to do is help individuals, and yes, all of those things should definitely inform your practices, inform your approach, but it, it shouldn't be the definitive of your approach it shouldn't be just like, oh, I only look at the research if i don't have a research study to support this i don't do it you know i' like i obviously i'm coming from a like a biochemistry background, and I obviously fucking love all that stuff, but like you can see even biochemists. Like the, the worst person to get nutritional advice from is probably a biochemist because all they look at is like mechanistic stuff, you know, where it's like, oh, let me just look at this tiny little me- mechanism. And I'm like, okay, like you were saying earlier on with the fruit and stuff, you could look at that and be like, all right, look, fr- fructose, triglycerides, nah, no fr- fruit in the diet ever. Look, I, s- I have this one study or this one mechanism, mechanistic study. And I'm like, that's it. But they never talk about like magnitude of effect you know? And that's one of the things that like, we always try to do with our articles is like, okay, if we're talking about a thing, like talking about a topic, talking about, you know, uh, an issue, whatever it is, like let's actually like somewhat quantify the magnitude of effect this has. Like you can have like this tiny little ma- mechanism that maybe does something like say like hyperplasia in a uh, uh, muscle growth. You know, if you're like, Oh, well, how much of a magnitude of effect does this have? Or, you know, do like a, a BF or, you know, like you're like blood flow restriction. It's like, like, how much of a magnitude of effect like should you train change all your training protocols to this like no we don't know because we don't have this magnitude of effect you know we don't we don't have uh the the translational research to be like this is the the, yeah here's the mechanisms but here's the actual effect you know so like that if you only use the the scientific studies it can be very hard to really actually understand what that means for the individual because these scientific studies they're not giving you this magnitude of effect especially long term because you know that those kind of studies that that costs a lot of money you know to, to do that you know if i give you this intervention you know and i'm like all right it's based on this tiny little mechanism like that you have to go across a lifetime, you know, muscle gain, especially takes fucking time, you know, and um, changing like your body composition. It takes time, changing your health. It takes time. It's not like, Oh, I can do a, a two week intervention and see <laughs> was, the
0: results. Now he's jacked.
1: Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't happen. You know? So it's like, you know, you have to give at least six months, at least a year, two years, you know, it's like that, that that's the, one of the major limiting factors, you know, and like this, well this seems a little bit of an abstract discussion like you can see this in like a lot of the actual protocols the the research uh translation that goes out not even just in the stuff that you would like really see often like you know um the resistance training world where you'd be like oh well how many sets should i do or you know it's basically all like this kind of almost quasi powerlifting approach to to things where it's like oh uh this many sets of squats equals this much strength increase. And we know strength increase is correlated with muscle increase. So, you know, you're going to have to do this. It's like, okay, well, it's not really like a translational uh, Mm -hmm. approach to everything, but you also see it in all these like very abstract things, which then people jump on and completely change their approach. Right. And like, (laughs) you see it so much that it's actually kind of disheartening, but also, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, I can see why it's so hard for people to read research and interpret research and then also try to, you know, cut through all the fluff in the industry. I'll give you an example. Like you could be interested in like improving your gut health, right? You could be like, oh, this seems to be a buzzword that's going around gut health. You know, I, I want to do something about this. And then you look at all these like probiotics and you're like, oh, I get onto this like uh Uh, fecal transplants. I'm reading about this sort of stuff and it's like, you start getting really like esoteric out in the weeds and you're like, oh, fuck this. I look at this, I have this mouse and they, you know, did a fecal transplant of this uh, non-obese mouse's, you know, gut biome into this other uh, obese mouse, and the obese mouse stop being obese, right? And you can look at that and go, Jesus, actually, fuck this. This looks like this is the cure to the obesity epidemic. You know, why don't people understand this? I, I just have to bring in some a protocol of like a, you know, probiotics to uh, my clients. And again, like you could be a biochemist, you could be like scientifically literate and read that, and still think that at the end of it, but that's because you don't have information available to you. And with the information available to you that would change your idea and your approach on that is that, you know, rodents uh, practice coprophagy, right? And that means they like eat shit. They literally eat shit. <laughs> And so like they, they, they do that to populate their gut microbiome, right? Like that's, that's the whole reason for that, you know? So if you choose an animal model that practices coprophagy and then you start transplanting the microbiome, it's like, that animal model is probably going to be influenced by it more than an animal model that doesn't practice coprophagy, you know? So like the the researchers themselves didn't think of that, you know? And then you see practitioners that are like, this is the key. Look at this, this cured this obese mouse, you know? And it's like, that's like, you just didn't have all the information. So it's very hard from a scientific point of view, but also very hard from a, an individual point of view you know? And there's, there's no easy, I'd love to have like, here's the fix, go to my website, download my course on how to read research or whatever. There's no, there is no easy fix for this. It just, because it's just a, a a process of you as an individual, whether you're a coach, whether you are trying, someone trying to positively change your, your body composition, your health, whatever, you know, you uh, educate yourself as best you can. Again, like there's resources available. Like we have a free website. You guys have a membership portal. Like there's so many resources available to you. It just comes a a, a a process of, okay, I have to educate myself. I have to yeah learn from the academia side of things, but then I also have to learn from the actual practitioner side of things. Like if I think this approach is the, the game changer, you know what? Maybe someone else has thought about this. Maybe someone else has tried this, Let me see if I can learn from the experience of others, you know, and this applies to, you know, nutrition stuff, but it also applies to resistance training stuff, cardiovascular training stuff, like all of that stuff. It's like someone has probably thought of the approach that you're going to, you magically revolutionize the world with, you know? So can you learn from them? Like if you talk to coaches, like, like all of us here, like we've we've trained hundreds of people, you know? So it's like, that's hundreds of hours, of experience, hundreds of clients of experience, you know? So coming to us and going like, oh, here I have this client that, you know, they do X and they get Y when I wanted them to do X and get Z. Why do you think that is the case? You know, like, why are they not, like they say they do squats and they're like, their quads aren't growing. Like, why is their ass growing? You're like, okay, you don't understand the, yeah. the biomechanics of that individual. If we bring this back and you get a better understanding of it, you go, okay, so now there's all this moment arm stuff and all this biomechanics stuff. It makes sense because you can actually see it in an experiential uh, way. You're like, oh, this is, this is what I as an individual am experiencing, or this is what my clients are experiencing. Now I have the educational framework to actually interpret that correctly. And this doesn't have to be a process of you like, basically getting a a scientific degree like you don't have to understand a lot of science or a lot of research to improve as a practitioner or improve as an individual like I would argue that you actually don't really need a, a, a lot at all you know like even though again my bias is like I like biochemistry. I like science. I like all that stuff. Like if we were to move the industry forward and talk about fucking like quantum biochemistry, I'd be like, yeah, fucking this is unreal. Let's talk about quantum tunneling and enzymes or fucking quantum random walks in fucking pylakoids or whatever the fuck. I'd love that. That would be fucking great, right? But that's my bias coming into this. I like all that stuff. I like... That like scientific exploration stuff, but that doesn't mean that that's the stuff that's informing my practices when I'm talking to an individual, talking to a client. Like, you're not going to go into a client and go, "Okay, we we seem to have research that suggests," like I I was saying to this to you guys before, we seem to have research to suggest that you know blue light blocking glasses are beneficial for you know regulating our circadian rhythm, regulating like getting better sleep. It seems to interact with melatonin. Like again, like we could look at that and go. Okay, well let me look at the population that this was studied in. It's in generally Japanese people, right? That was a lot of the research is done in those. And you're like, well, I'm not Japanese. Does that apply to me? You know? And then also you look at like the, the 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 population of people studied, you're like, I actually don't know their other habits. And like you have a retinal pigment epithelium, right? So that stores like your your eyes without going into like a load of biochemistry, like all these uh, carotenoids, you know, like if you eat like carrots or whatever, like you'll see it like marketed even for that, you'll be like lutein, you know, it's carotenoid uh, improves eye health, right? Like we, we know very, very fundamentally that uh, carotenoids interact with the eyes, you know, because again, like they, they absorb light. So your, your, your eyes are basically, basically just photoreceptors, right? So the intake you have of carotenoids. So that's somewhat of a proxy you could use for that. Is like your intake of vegetables, you know, probably influences your retinal pigment epithelium, right? Like we have no research to suggest now, like to interpret that. I'm like, okay, when we're looking at this population of Japanese people that maybe the research they did on those doesn't apply to me, but also then I'm like, okay, the, the research seems to suggest that uh, the, wearing like blue light blocking glasses is beneficial for this melatonin stuff. But what was the vegetable intake of those people? Like, you know, did they have a high intake? Like what was their retinal pigment epithelium like? We've no research on this, you know? So like if you were just to use the research to interpret the the efficacy of something, like you can't because you're not that population. However, what you can do or you can use the experience of others is go, someone just bought blue light blocking glasses and you know what? they've been reporting that their sleep is better. They've been reporting that you know their circadian rhythm, they're using this as a tool and it seems to be helping. And that's the experience stuff. And yes, you, you might've used the research to kind of influence your choice of trying that. But ultimately at the end of the day, if you're an individual or you're a coach, you have to try things out, use your experience and go, that seemed to work that seemed to be something that I want to keep in my toolbox that I use with like the majority of my clients. Or if I have these X, Y, and Z problems, this is a tool that I have to help solve them. You know, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. No, I I think it's true. And I think there's, but I do think there's other areas that I think, you know, it's like even before people get stuck into the research, I think it pays to actually go into the science on other certain certain other areas. Like if they're going to read, research on hypertrophy they should probably have a pretty good understanding of the mechanism of hypertrophy what actually is involved in that process so that when they read these papers they can understand what may be going on on that physiological level and then similarly on the exercise mechanics if they're looking at these studies saying this volume is great for you know x amount of volume is great for for muscle growth and this is great for maintenance whatever it is understanding mechanics and then you can piece together okay you know the the exercises they pick, the tempo they use, whatever it is, you know, how applicable is that? What is that actually, what's the volume actually going to look like? Like, again, coming back to, like, understanding hypertrophy as well, you know, they get people to just do 20 sets. Like, what do those 20 sets look like? Like, do they... The fact, they, that,
1: the fact that they don't include videos in yeah. any exercise thing, yeah. it's yeah. archaic. There's, yeah. there's no reason for them not to.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and you know, so you don't know if you know five of the people that responded really well like those kind of outliers were the guys that were kind of creating that internal focus potentially using slightly slower tempo there was less national effects whatever it is and then you get the people that didn't respond and they're built in a certain way where those exercises were useless for the muscles they were measuring you know people squatting with like a pretty much zero moment arm to their quad and they're measuring quad growth and you're like okay well no wonder that guy's a you know, an outlier and he hasn't responded and you until people have done that, they'll take that research and just run with it. Be like, okay, 20 sets a week is great, but then you get the people that train really efficiently, they've built an exercise that's creating a more substantial challenge. That you know, the volume requirement might be 30%, 20%, whatever it is, it might be 50%. Well, you know, we don't know because you can't really study mm. that stuff very well. And then again, on you know, some of these other areas, like you said, you know, until you've got an understanding of the mechanisms and that's why we you know both our sites put that stuff out you know we put stuff out on giving people that fundamental understanding which is still sciencey still academic
1: yeah f- effectively what you're saying is like people should learn the the principles behind yeah. like the, the first principles if you want to call them that like it's like yeah. w- like if you're trying to influence or you're trying to talk about like internal moment arms and all that kind of stuff it's like that's 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 actually secondary to a lot of understanding like yeah. what are we actually talking about you know it's like let's 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 keep going back and find the actual first principles and like do you even understand like what a muscle is like what a muscle does you know it's like that's that should be the thing that you understand first there's the first principle it's like okay we understand and it doesn't have to be like that scientific it just has to be like okay i have a rudimentary understanding of what's going on at the the muscular level and then it's like okay so how does we'll say layer on anatomy onto that it's like okay now we've an understanding that okay there's a a kind of a a walkthrough process here it's like you you got what's going on the muscle maybe you do the nervous system as well because that seems to be controlling the muscle or we've got anatomy as well okay now we look into a little bit increasing like the, the biomechanics you're like okay so if i'm built like this and you know i move like this it's like okay now i can start talking about like actual exercise i can start talking about what's actually going on because you've built that kind of first principle understanding and again it doesn't have to be that in-depth that like scientifically hard to understand it's like understand what a muscle does understand how that interacts with your like anatomy and understand how that interacts with like okay like different, like you have to understand a little bit of moment arm stuff and stuff like that to get the biomechanics right. But it doesn't have to be that in depth. You just need to know what like a lever is basically, you know, and then you're like, okay, now I can actually choose better exercises. I can make better exercises and I can actually train more effectively. You know, and it's like, you literally understand like four things and all of a sudden your results skyrocket because you learned the first principles that, you know, underlo- underlay all of the other stuff. You know, yeah,
0: it's like, you know, the if someone had, I was just thinking of an analogy, you had like two cars, and someone was like, okay, that car's better than that car because, with it, you know, without just making a claim because, you know, it looks faster, but they haven't actually looked at what's under the hood, like what's making up the car. And, you know, yeah. people talk about this exercise is better than that exercise, or doing this exercise this way is better than that way, you know, and they don't understand anatomy and these stuff. And, you, you know, people, you know, that's why we teach on our course. Like, we've had people on our practice camp that have probably been in the industry for like longer than me at the time. Mm. And, and I, you know, I'll say, you know, where does such and such, you know, where does the pec attach? And they'll sit there going, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you speak about full range of motion for the pec on such and such, Like, how do you know what full range of motion is unless you know where that attaches? You know, mm-hmm. so until you understand that stuff, you can't even talk about, you know, what's, you know, people talk about proprioception, all this stuff. You don't, you don't understand what proprioception is really on like a neuromuscular level.
1: Yeah, and it's actually, it's immediately, like if you're a practitioner and you're going, look, I don't want to spend all this time on this. Like you think about this, this is an immediate increase in your income as a result of learning this stuff. And the reason for that is like, you're actually able to talk to people about the experiences they have, right? And you're actually able to help people overcome problems that they have, right? So again, you go to someone that's in the gym, they've been training away. Their their chest growth is, you know, not optimal for what they want. They're like, I've been bench pressing loads. I've been doing all the work. I've been putting in all the hard fucking hours graft. And you know, all my mates here, they all seem to be getting great growth and, you know, my chest just doesn't grow. And you go, all right, look, just get on the bench press there you look at it, you go, okay, I actually understand. I have a a cognitive framework of I understand what muscles do. I understand a little bit about anatomy. I understand like, you know, origins, insertions, that kind of thing. You look at them bench pressing, you get their experience of what's going on, what they feel, like the internal stuff. You know, again, it exercise is fairly intuitive. Like you get immediate feedback where it's like, what did that feel like? You're like, oh, it felt shit here in this part of the range, or oh, I got pain here. You're like, okay, how do I interpret that? Because I have an understanding of anatomy and biomechanics. Now I can go, oh look. We can actually see, look, when you bench press here, and like if you are a coach doing this, you want to use this as a selling tool, like record them and then talk them through the movement as they do it. You can be like, look at this movement, this point here. This, you're talking about you're having this kind of bicepy pain here when you get down to the bottom of the, the bench press when it's on your chest, and you're like, oh my, this kind of bicep area here, there seems to be pain here. You're like, okay, well, look at this. Your elbows here are nearly fucking touching the ground when you're in the bottom of this (laughs) bench press position. And look at all your mates. Like, their elbows are literally parallel with their body, like in line with their body. It's like, why do you think they're getting good growth on their chest and you're just getting pain? It's like, oh, look, we actually have this kind of active range stuff here that, you know, maybe we could, you know, bring you in here. Okay, look, we're just going to do it two to three inches off your chest here. And all of a sudden you're like, boom, I feel my chest. It's absolutely fucking lighting up. And oh, actually the pain that I had in in my, my bicep here, it's gone. You're like, oh, unreal. And automatically you've got a client there. You've got an individual now that you can help because you just spent two hours learning a little bit about anatomy, learning a little bit about biomechanics. And all of a sudden you're able to build a better exercise for that individual. You're able to actually help more individuals. So it's an automatic force multiplier. It's an automatic Income multiplier. Like if you're able to help more people in the gym you work in, or in the online space that you work in, you're like, I can actually help you because I actually have an understanding. It's not just like I can only help a certain population because that they're the same population as me. And like, yeah, you can have a niche, you can do whatever, but the more people you can help, the more income you can make. And obviously, if you're uh, uh, someone coaching yourself, you're just trying to train yourself. It's like if you understand this stuff. Boom, all of a sudden you're able to get better results, which at the end of the day, it's like that's what you're actually trying to do, you know? So if you you peel it all back, you get down to first principles, boom, automatic, more money in your bank account, automatic, better results for you, automatic, better results for your clients. It's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. And that and it, you know, that's where like say I understand you know, learning that side of the science is pretty cool. Because like ultimately, personal trainers, online coaching, you know. People, don't, the word "personal" isn't in that job title, but you are a personal online coach. Mm-hmm. You're providing a service that should be tailored to an individual. So you, it's you know, it's in your interest to understand. It's your responsibility to understand these things on a level that you, you can then apply to the individual. You, you looked at that kind of how that varies across an individual. Whereas if you're looking at the stuff that has only been applied to masses, that they haven't gone into that depth and you don't have that nuance, then you're probably going to be shooting yourself in the foot. And they're the same individuals that, you know, get maybe a bit touchy when they're presented with, you know, this new information that their bias is challenged, whatever it is, their belief system is being challenged of, I've read this research and it says this, and all my clients just need to learn how to squat and bench and deadlift. And that will be fine. They just need to learn how to train. They don't need to get into all this kind of, you know, over the top shit with moment arms and building exercises for an individual. And it's like, actually, that is exactly what they need. You know, if you're dealing with an individual that isn't built to bench press, squat, whatever, they're going to be potentially in pain. You're going to potentially damage them. You're going to be compromising, you know, their their body and going against that. What they're trusting you to do, which is get them to that, you know, that outcome in a positive way. Um, whereas you, you know, like I say, you spend a couple of hours, an hour a day, whatever it is, you know, you can you can put like twenty, thirty minutes aside a day to you know, learn about a specific topic, just go on, you know, free anatomy sources online, whatever it is, and just spend a few minutes a day learning about the shoulder. And then you learn about the knee, you know, learn about the hip, whatever it is. And then you gradually build up that understanding that allows you to take that service, well, actually provide the service you're advertising, which would be a personalized one. (laughs) So, so it's like, um, but then it's also, you know, you have to be of that mindset that you're willing to challenge your own biases and, and, you know, have your bias challenged, have your beliefs challenged and and take on new information and be willing to apply it and accept that potentially there's there's more to learn because otherwise you get you fall back into that you know the keyholder the the linus Pollins guy who you know I know it all and I've read this research and yeah i'm I'm the man whereas you know there's always more to learn like all of us you know we're putting out high level of information on these sites, but you know we're still always learning like you know we that, that doesn't stop like paddy's doing a degree, but like we're all still getting on courses ourselves, like you know it never stops, and there's that um you know the there's a quote I used in one of my slides, which is like education the path from cocky ignorance to miserable uncertainty. I've forgotten who actually said it, it might be like Mark Twain or something like that, but you know the more you the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And I think it's that's, a, that's the thing that people need. They need to be able to accept that that's just part of the journey and embrace it. But, yeah, I think that's that's cool. I, yeah, I like yeah. that we all agree there. Cal's just kind of just been chilling. Cal, Cal just disagrees. What did you say, Cal? I'm just observing. <laughs> He's just sitting there like it's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: re- realistically, <laughs> though, <laughs> when you put it all together, like it, it, it's actually something if you just do a little bit of research and I mean both and I'm calling research both experiential stuff and you know reading stuff you know because obviously like if you can get hands-on experience as well it's like that does go into your research your education bank or whatever you want to call it um you can use that to help more people you know but you don't you don't need to put a lot of effort into this to get a lot of return once you have a focused approach, you know, like if you, if you look, at say like Callum here, Callum, you got loads of clients, right? You don't have, you don't have fucking 20 hours per week to, you know, go through the, the latest research papers, go through the, the latest protocols someone is fucking suggesting, right? So you have, we'll say two hours per week to ensure that you're upskilling right? And you might go, okay, I can't do it this week. Can't do it this week. You bunch them together. You might go to a weekend course or whatever else, you know? But you go, if I said to you, right, Cal, you do two hours of research per week on a specific topic that a client has come to you, presented you with that you're not really sure of. You're not really sure of like, oh, they, they come to you with maybe shoulder pain or whatever. And you do two hours of research per week for the next, I don't know, 10 weeks or something. And all of a sudden you're able to get better results with that client that, you know, maybe other coaches weren't able to get results with. It's like, like that's more money in your back pocket right now. Like straight away, isn't it? Yeah. yeah sure, sure. So it's like, it's it's just a no brainer for, for coaches to do, especially if you are coaching a lot of individuals.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I think the, the way that I personally learn now is learning off the other boys and the content they're putting on the website, because I'll just absorb that myself um, and how we communicate between each other. Um, but also like if I've got an issue that I don't get, especially when it comes to, um, either assisted clients or anything to do with health, that I'm not comfortable delivering advice on that is above my pay pay grade. I'll just refer out, but I'll be part of the call that's happening and I'll just absorb that information myself as well. So next time I might be a little bit more informed about what I need to do or who I need to speak to to get that done.
1: Yeah. And this, like this, this is the thing as well, like if you are a coach, like I know it can be, especially like, cause it's a male driven industry, like a male dominated industry, I should say. Um, you can kind of feel like, oh, I'm fucking Mr. Macho. I fucking know everything. I'm the guy, right? And realistically, like no man is an Island. Like you, you should be learning from other individuals. Like I can't spend, I, I'd love to do it. I can't spend 60 hours a day reading and upskilling and, you know, getting better information on all the topics related to health and fitness i only have a certain amount of hours you know and i'm going to prioritize stuff that first of all that i enjoy and second of all that i'm like i actually see this see value in this in terms of helping the people that i'm trying to help you know so if i have an issue where it's like look i don't have 20 hours to do the background research just to understand this new thing that i i need to do i'm just gonna you know get in touch with someone in the industry that deals with that. Like if someone came to me with a a severe eating disorder and they're like, I want to get fucking jacked. I'm like, that's not someone that I can probably help. Like, yeah, I've helped people that have come back from like disordered eating. And maybe it's not like, it's, it's mild or whatever you want to classify it as it now. And it's like, yeah, I can probably help that person. But if you come to me and you're like, yeah, literally, I just got released from the, the hospital there. I was anorexic and uh, they're saying that, like, you know, I, I have to, you know, build some muscle and I'm like, gonna come to you. It's like, fuck, like, how do I help that individual? I would just refer out for that individual, you know? So having a, a network of people that, you know, you respect, that you trust, that you would refer your fucking mother to, you know? Then it's like, okay, I'm going to actually get better by listening to what these people say with this population and this, this their experience or whatever and their research on this population. And I'm going to get better by using them, you know, like ultimately, again, a rising tide raises all boats. If you can have a network of people that you can go get in touch with, you know, it can even just be like, here, can I book in a consult call with you and, you know, get, get more educated on a certain topic, whatever it is then it's like, okay, that's it. Again, it's a force multiplier. It's an income multiplier, whether it's for you as a coach. If you're like, oh, I want to make more money. I want to be able to help this population. I've seen in my gym, there's a, a load of people that have this, this problem. I, I kind of know how to solve this problem. If I can get in touch with the fucking top two, three people that seem to work with this population, boom, now I can get start making money off this population here. If you are an individual yourself and you're like, okay, well, look, I just want to get results for myself then it's like okay hire a coach get fucking 12 weeks of coaching and get the results learn all the processes learn exactly what you're supposed to be tracking how to train effectively how to diet effectively learn all that stuff like it shouldn't be like i always said to my coach my, my clients as well like, i don't want to be coaching you in four years time you know because like, obviously we work with a lot of uh general population people like it's a little bit different if you have someone that you know is trying to really get to the top level on it with their physique and stuff. Cause that's a very multi-year approach. Like if I was, if I was going to be a bodybuilder, like I'd probably be with a coach for like five, 10 years. I want them to know my body inside out. I've done multiple preps with them. Right. But if you're coaching like a general population person where it's like, yeah, they just want to lose a little bit of fat. They want to build a bit of muscle. They want to have an approach that fits their lifestyle and they want to understand how to get results for them. It's like, like realistically, we should be able to do that within a year, maybe two years, you know, depending on the, the actual client, you know, and obviously you can also get that done in like 12 weeks, 16 weeks, a very shorter time frame. Like I always say to my clients, I'm like, I don't want to be coaching you in five years. Like I want you to be like, have, have built enough self-efficacy that you know exactly what to do so that when we finish, it's like, you might need to like check in with me. Like I always try to like, say like, you know, check in with me in two to three months after we're finished, uh, just so we can make sure that everything's still on point. But like, I don't want to be holding their hand for the rest of their life. You know, I'm sure they're all wonderful people. And I say this to them, I'm like, I'm sure you're a wonderful person, but I don't want this to be like a a best friend situation where you have to, oh, I'm going to change this a bit my approach and you have to check in with me about every single last thing that you do. I'm like, no, I want to build self-efficacy so that you know what are the main things to focus on and get results from that, you know? And, and that can seem a bit hard as a personal trainer, where you're basically telling people to fuck off after like 12, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever. You're like, look, you're ready to go out on your own. But ultimately that, people respect that much more than you just holding their hand and you know doing nothing for them when they're already ready to go out on their own and you know, get results on their own. Yeah. And so like, if you are a, an individual, it's like, just hire a coach. Get like 20 weeks of coaching and be like, this is an investment in the rest of my you know, lifting career, because if I can master everything, get, know exactly what I'm doing. have exercises selected for me that are like, these are the ones that really, really work well for your body. You understand the process of training. You understand the process of, you know, nutrition and all these lifestyle things like sleep, stress management, all of that stuff. You know, if you get a coach for 20 weeks and you're like, boom, right. I understand all those things after 20 weeks, you have a skill for life, you know? So it's like, that. it's a no brainer. If you're an individual, just get someone to accelerate your results so that you know exactly what to focus on. And if you are a coach, it's like, it's probably also beneficial to get coaching. So, you know, so you can again get processes and also get results, excuse me, know what to focus on. And then also, if you are looking to educate yourself, interact with individuals that are trying to educate the population that you are, which is like a personal trainer or maybe even an nutritionist or whatever, interact with those people. You know, if they have a course, they have a membership site, whatever, you know, get involved with that. And again, don't be doing like what most people do and sign up for fucking four hundred uh, membership sites and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna gonna do this. It's like no, do again three, four, five, maybe whatever it is that you have the time to do, look at the ones that you're like, this is gonna automatically like increase my revenue. This is auto- gonna automatically increase the amount of people that I can help. Find those kind of membership sites and then you go, okay, now. I, I'm going to use their content. I'm going to use those, their information as my continuing education, so that I can upskill all the time, and that I am the top of my field in my area. You know,
0: yeah, 100, very, very true. And I think that's the, you know, a good way to think about it as well. You know, and I, you know, on the, I think the way of looking at it is like a, you know, a shorter term investment. Like 20 weeks, is still a good amount of time. But the, you know, you don't need to invest for the foreseeable future with a lot of these coaches. And you can think, you know, if you've got a problem that needs solving, that's all a coach is. We're a problem solver. And that, you know, or you think of us as a scientist, like you've got, you know, something that needs solving, you know, coach comes along, has the tools hopefully to be able to solve it. You know, think, I like to think of myself as like a scientist in that front. And I got this analogy of Shark Taylor, like, you know, you get these clients coming to you, they, you know, have something that essentially needs solving. You come up with a hypothesis and then you run the experiment and, see what happens you know you some you know, might solve and it might not it might need some tweaks and then once you've got that framework in place and that person understands that and they're kind of like yeah i know that when i hit this sort of situation again that's the approach you need to take whatever it is that you need know, that they should be equipped by that point to kind of do it themselves um like their reliance on having that external um practitioner the the external problem solver to help them get there is going to be less what um, should be um, but then you get, you know, there's some people where you know it does pay to lock them in for longer term because they've got goals that kind of coincide with that that time frame. So it's um, you know, doesn't, that doesn't need to apply to everyone, but yeah, definitely, definitely true. But that is, I'd say, probably a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, the um, yeah, that was awesome. That was a cool discussion. I hope that kind of, you know, gives people some an insight into how to approach this side of things, like seeing the utility and value in these you know these various resources that are out there like Paddy's site, Paddy and Gaza's site.
1: Nah, it's my site for Gary. And um
0: and like, you know, our our site as well. You know, there and there's plenty of others out there. You know, you've got the you know the nutritional advocate, he's got a really good one for people that do want to get into like learning to read the research. Like his is quite an advanced one on that side of things. Alan Flanagan. Um you know we've got you know Michael goulden does actually have kind of a secret team member membership site for people that have gone through RTS. Um, so I think you have to do those camps to get access to it. And then you've got, you know, so, I mean, there's loads of others out there. I think Tom Purvis has one that's going to be launching very soon as well. Who's the founder of RTS. So there's all these places and they're the kind of places where to get this information that's relevant to the, the coach, the practitioner in this field, they're the kind of the places you want to go um, because you don't get lost in, Scrolling through PubMed and like missing that con- the context of what these studies were, you know, who they were for, where, how they conducted, and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, awesome stuff. So where can I mean you you introduced yourself and all that stuff at the beginning, but where can people find you, Paddy?
1: They can find all triage related stuff: social media, website, just triagemethod.com. dot com. That's the website, and then all the socials: triagemethod. And my personal Instagram is the real Paddy Farrell because. There's, there's loads of fakes out there. You know yourself. Like, mate. People just trying to impersonate me, catfish people, you know, you know yourself. Like I'm, you know, what's in nature? Just like, yeah, basically my Instagram is a combination of me just chatting shit and, uh, then trying oh. to, trying to, trying to help people, um, with, uh, some informative posts as well. So just fucking talk about the economy as well on my, uh, Instagram stories yeah
0: yeah, yeah yeah. that was good and then yeah and then his business partner Skinny Gaz which some people nah, don't follow him he's too skinny extremely skinny guys he got enough followers as well plus he's too busy to
1: actually do anything so yeah that's what he says he just sits at home fucking masturbates <laughs>
0: yeah anyway thanks for coming on my man um, yeah awesome stuff and we'll uh, see you soon I'm sure back right. on stay safe stay safe in the uh, pandemic yeah. Hopefully. That mask out, mate. Yeah. <coughs> <laughs> right, boys. It's been a pleasure. Right. Yeah. Enjoy.